take your Bibles and turn to uh, Psalm 37 this morning. Psalm 37. I know what your your bulletin says. And you can just ignore that. We're going to look at Psalm 37 this morning. And I'll explain that in just a moment. Psalm 37. It's a relatively lengthy passage, but we're going to read it all because it is all important. Psalm 37. A psalm of David. Do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Do not fret. It only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off. But those who wait on the Lord, they shall inherit the earth. For yet a little while, and the the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. But the meek shall inherit the earth, and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. The wicked plots against the just, and gnashes at him with his teeth. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Their sword shall enter their own heart, and their bows shall be broken. A little that a righteous man has is better than the riches of many wicked, for the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time. And in the days of famine they shall be satisfied, but the wicked shall perish. And the enemies of the Lord, like the splendor of the meadows, shall vanish. Into smoke they shall vanish away. The wicked borrows and does not repay, but the righteous shows mercy and gives. For those blessed by him shall inherit the earth, but those cursed by him shall be cut off. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I have been young, and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. He is ever merciful and lends, and his descendants are blessed. Depart from evil, do good, dwell forevermore, for the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. The righteous shall inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom, and his tongue talks of justice. The law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. The Lord will not leave him in his hand, nor condemn him when he is judged. Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you shall see it. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree, yet he passed away, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, and observe the upright, 
For the future of that man is peace, but the transgressors shall be destroyed together. The future of the wicked shall be cut off, but the salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them, because they trust in him. Father God, thank you so much for your word. This is the word of God. We know it to be the case. We accept it as such. We believe every word of it. And so, Father, I pray today that as we look at this passage, I pray you would speak to our hearts. Lord, this past week some things have happened, and we have questions. Many have questions. And so I pray today that as we look at this, we're encouraged and reminded uh, of some, some important, important truth. Lord, as we always pray, I pray yet again, if there's even one here today who doesn't know you as Savior, that somewhere in this the gospel would shine forth clearly. And I pray also, Lord, if there are Christians here today who are struggling with any of these things, that they would be encouraged and strengthened in their faith. So bless this time. Fill me with your spirit. Help me, Lord God, to say only the things I ought to and to say absolutely nothing I should not. And uh, just enable this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yesterday afternoon, I was driving back from Pennsylvania, and I passed a flagpole, and the flagpole was at half-mast. And I realized as I looked at that, that based on current events, well, we should have had our flag here flying at half-mast. We are kind of new to having a flagpole out there, and so I, I confess I hadn't thought about it. And so I called Sean, and I mentioned it to him, and he agreed with me. He said he'd run down and put the flag down, and then he said something. He said, you know, we've been flying the flag at half-mast, way too much recently in this country. And I thought, indeed, in this week's heinous murders of police officers in Dallas and in other places means, once again, we lower the flag and others lower the flag. I follow a lot of preacher-oriented stuff on Twitter. Do you tweet, Brother Buck? Hmm. I follow a lot of preacher-oriented stuff on Twitter, and there's a question that's been flying around ever since that took place. And, you know, it's basically, it takes a variety of forms, but it's basically the same thing. How in the world do you preach? What in the world do you say when something like this takes place? Does the Bible speak to such things? And is there hope or encouragement or help to be found in the book when the flag flies low? Well, this past Wednesday evening, we looked at one passage of Scripture, actually the very passage that I just read, Psalm 37. And it was just a little devotional that we gave that particular time, and it was, it, was, it was entitled, When Bad Guys Seem to Be Winning. And, of course, Wednesday evening was before this had all taken place. It was based on other bad things of the news. And then, of course, this came along, uh, which was even worse. And so I, I want to look at the same passage today. And I want to change the, type, the title just a little bit. I, I want to change it from When Bad Guys Seem to Be Winning to When Evil Seems to Be Winning. Because the issues we're experiencing in our country right now, I, I don't believe, are about bad guys versus good guys. I believe it's the age-old story, the same problem that first germinated 6,000 years ago in the Garden of Eden when Satan slithered into a place that was only good and brought corruption and evil and sin. This is a matter of good versus evil, not bad guys versus good guys. So when evil seems to be winning. If you were here Wednesday night, I apologize for the duplication. I know you've already heard this, but uh, most of you weren't, and so most of you, will, it will be new to you. You know what happened this past week in Dallas was just the latest in a series of horrors that seems to be happening with increasing frequency in our country. 
was an act of evil. It was an act of evil that shocked many people. It ought not to shock us as Christians, should it? Should I pause until that's fixed? Jumping around back there, guys. I'll just keep talking. There we go. Thank you, brother. It ought not to shock us, should it, as believers? Should we be shocked by this kind of thing? It shouldn't. Christians, more than any other people on earth, should be prepared for this kind of thing. It ought not to surprise us when uh, these kind of things happen in the last days. I mean, we've read the Bible a few times, haven't we? Haven't we? And we know that the Bible says very plainly things like, Know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal. That one jumped out at me as I read it this time. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. Further on in that same passage, Paul told Timothy, evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And so we Christians ought not be surprised at this, should we? And yet just a casual glance at social media tells me that a lot of people are. And a lot of people are distressed. And a lot of people are shocked. Even if we do know these things are going to come in increasing measure until the Lord's return, the question remains... How do we live? How do we live in light of these kinds of things? Wednesday night we looked at Psalm 37 and we we made the comment that it could have been written by someone who was reading the newspaper today. As we think about what he said here, we see that he was living in a very similar set of circumstances. Evil seemed to be winning. Just like some would say evil seems to be winning today. And the psalmist wrestled with that same state of affairs. Verse number one, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. His was a day marked by evildoers and workers of iniquity. Verse number seven, do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. His was a day when such people seemed to prosper in and succeed in their evil. In his day, evil plotted against and defamed the people of God. Verse 12, the wicked plots against the just, gnashes at him with his teeth. In his day, evil attacked, hurt, and even killed the righteous. The wicked have drawn the sword and have bent their bow to cast down the poor and needy, to slay those who are of upright conduct. Verse 14, the wicked watches the righteous and seeks to slay him. Verse 32. And so in his day, just like in our day, evil seemed to be winning. Evil seemed to prosper and to succeed. Evil seemed to wield seemingly insurmountable power. Look at verse 35. I have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree. And certainly that reads like our newspaper today. And so if we were to only read those portions of Psalm 37, we would say, first of all, okay, that sounds exactly like the day in which we live. But we would also say it's kind of depressing. It's kind of bad news. For it seems to describe just what we've said, the Success of evil. But the thing we learned Wednesday night and the thing I want us to see this morning is that uh, that's not all this psalm proclaims. This psalm, actually, that's a very small part of what this psalm proclaims. This psalm proclaims some other things. So let's look at three different things that we see here in this passage. And uh, I'll be quick this morning, but I think it'll help us. 
First of all, I want you to notice that in spite of all that, in spite of all that background that he just said, all that setting of the scene that he did there, what he's saying here is evil does not and will not win. Evil has an end. Evil has an end. You know, we watch with disgust as evil people seem to laugh their way through, through life, seemingly with impunity, and we watch with sorrow and horror uh, as evil ideologies seem to grow around the world, and we pray every Lord's Day, and I hope even more than that, for brothers and sisters who are in the front lines around the world and suffering under these kinds of things. And yet the psalmist reminds us here, if there's one thing you see, I, I hope you see this, the psalmist reminds us that all of that is temporary. All of that is going to end. Evil people might seem to prosper, but the psalmist makes it plain that they have a bad day coming if they do not turn their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ. And evil ideologies may seem to have great strength, but they will soon be a distant memory. Evil does not win. Evil will not win. Evil has been and will be defeated, and it does have an end. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come, no more clouds, no more tears, no more sorrows. What a day. Evil does not win. Notice what the psalmist says. And, and I'm not going to read all these verses, but I mean, you can look at verses 2, 9, 22, 28, 34, 38. You can see that he says here, evil and evil people will soon be gone, cut down, dried up, and cut off. It will end. Verse number 10, they will be no more. Verse number 36, they will be no more. Verse number 13, he says, their day is coming. Verse number 15, their wicked devices will be turned back against them. Verse number 17, their arms, their strength will be broken. Verse number 20, they shall perish and vanish. If there's one thing this psalm makes plain, it is that evil does not win. It will not win. It has an end. We read in the Old Testament of Jezebel. We've heard of Jezebel. She was that vile queen who ruled over God's people. She was dishonest. She was cruel. She was murderous. She thought, apparently, that she could get away with anything she wanted to further her agenda and rule, but yet one day she was defeated. If you want to read about the defeat of evil, read about the defeat of Jezebel. Thrown off of a building, splattered on the ground in a pool of blood, and eaten by dogs. That's a bad way to go. And yet it's a picture, is it not? Evil does not win. It has an end. Well, the psalmist says something else here. He says not only that evil does not and will not win, it has an end. He also says God's faithfulness to his people is infinite. It does not end. God's faithfulness to his people is infinite. It does not end. I think this might be the largest portion of the psalm, the largest truth that comes forth. He's not dealing mostly with the seeming success of evil and the realities that await evil people, but he's dealing more with the realities that await the righteous, both in this life and in the future. And he's saying God's faithfulness to his people is infinite. It does not end. Look what we have to trust in, to rejoice in, to look forward to, and to live in light of today. Look at verse number three. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. I love that verse. Feed on his faithfulness. We have a faithful God who will not let us down. Look at verse number five. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. We have a God who does and will keep his promises. He will bring it to pass, the things that he has promised. Look at verse number six. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. His justice, which is complete and perfect, will prevail. Justice is an interesting word in our society today, isn't it? I'm not sure we even know what it means in America anymore. 
when we see the injustices that take place at all levels of society. And yet, there is justice. His justice. It is complete. It is perfect. And it will prevail. Verse number 6. We could look at verses 9, 11, 14, 18, 19, 29, 34, and we could see he has decreed there who the winners are and who the losers are. And uh, it ain't the evil ones. It's the righteous. Look at verse number 13. The Lord laughs at him, for he sees that his day is coming. The Lord laughs. He laughs. He knows the end is already declared and watches their schemes with amusement. We cry. We weep. We are sorrowful. We wonder. God is so certain of the outcome that he is, it's amusing. He laughs. Verse number 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Verse number 31, the law of his God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. We have a, guide, a God who guides the righteous and watches our every step. Verse number 24, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. We have a God who holds us safely in his hand from which none can pluck us. God never forsakes his people. He always preserves his people. For the Lord loves justice and does not forsake his saints. They are preserved forever, but the descendants of the wicked shall be cut off. In verse 37, he will bring peace. Mark the blameless man. Observe the upright. For the future of that man is peace. I just saw online yesterday somebody posted something. And it said, one day I would like to turn on the news and hear there is peace on earth. I thought, amen. You know what else I thought? I thought if you're a Christian, one day you will hear just that. He will bring peace on earth. He will ever be our strength, our help, and our deliverer. The salvation of the righteous is from the Lord. He is their strength in the time of trouble, and the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Verses 39 and 40. I often think that in the Garden of Eden, Satan must have had a moment of absolute euphoria as he watched Adam and Eve fall to his scheme. And sin. He must have felt a flush of victory, thinking that his evil had won, that good was dead, that death would reign. But then a cloud must have entered his mind as he heard the Lord make a promise, a promise that he was going to send a redeemer who would defeat evil and defeat Satan forever. In Genesis 3.15, God said, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. God told Satan, you might get your licks in for a while, Satan. But the seed of the woman, the Savior, will come and crush you and what you have done forever. I imagine Satan must have slithered away from that encounter, gloomy in his thoughts. And then when that day came, when he watched the Son of God raised up on the cross of Calvary, when he heard him, as we just read the passage during communion today, say, it is finished. When he watched him accomplish the defeat of sin and evil and provide salvation and prove that God's faithfulness to his people cannot be defeated. It has no end. On that day, how Satan must have howled. How he must have howled. I don't know about you, but when I think about that part of this psalm, I can't help but say, thank you, Jesus. You agree with me? Say it with me. Thank you, Jesus. Say it again. Because it's true. God's faithfulness to his people is infinite. It does not end. One last thought. 
He has told us that evil will not win. It has an end. God's faithfulness uh, has no end. It's infinite. Finally, number three, how then do we live? How do we live? We know all that, but how do we live when evil seems to be winning? Because the psalmist doesn't just concentrate on encouraging thoughts to dwell on in evil times. He doesn't just buoy our, promise, our, our spirits with promises. He also gives us some very practical advice here. When evil seems to be winning, here is how he says you ought to live. First of all, he says three times, don't worry. Did you notice that? Three times. Verse number one, verse number seven, verse number eight. Don't worry. Do not fret. We worry. We are bothered. You say, oh, I don't worry, preacher. I've read your posts on Facebook. I know an awful lot of us are worried. I know an awful lot of people are distressed. The first thing, don't worry. Don't worry. Corey Tenboom says, worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. And we ought not to worry. Secondly, he says, we ought to trust God. Verse 3, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Verse number 40, the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. A.W. Tozer said, keep your heart with all diligence and God will look after the universe. And we need to remember that. We can trust God. He knows what he's doing. Trust him. We should trust him. We must trust him. Psalmist goes on. He says we ought to be doing good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Evil times are not the time when we slow down our efforts, but rather the time when we ought to increase them. More witness, more of the love of God, more giving, more soul winning, more doing good. Do good. Verse number four, he says, delight yourself in God. And verse number five, commit your way to him. Again, we read the promises and we want to say thank you, Jesus. But be reminded that the light shines brightest against the darkest background. When we see evil, we need to make sure to see the light of God's truth obliterating it. And take delight in that. Delight in it. And then renew your commitment to him and that truth. Delight yourself in God and commit your way to him. Verse number seven says, rest in God, rest in the Lord. There is no doubt we can feel increasingly weary as we read this kind of stuff. When evil seems to press so hard on on us and around us and upon us, but we have a God in whom we can rest and we need to do that. Turn to him and rest in him. And here's one that's very important. Verse number eight, don't succumb to anger. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. If you're like me, every time I read something like this, every time I see something like this on the news, I want to pick something up and throw it through the television. Anger is a very natural response to some of the things that are going on in our world right now, and yet it's not the right response for us as believers. The psalmist reminds us, instead of getting angry, verse 21, we need to show mercy and generosity Instead of getting angry, verse 30 and 31, we need to keep speaking wisdom and justice and truth. And I I think especially we need to fill our heart with God's word. Verse 31, the law of God is in his heart and none of his steps shall slide. So, yeah, we've had a bad week in this country. Evil has once again raged and good people have died. And our flags are once again drooping at half-staff. And we once again feel the same frustration that we felt many times before because it seems, it feels like evil is winning. But hear the word of God this morning. Evil does not and will not win. It has an end. And God's faithfulness to his people is infinite. It does not end. 
And so on those days when evil feels like it's winning, we can trust in the Lord. On those days when evil seems to be winning, we can continue to do good. We can dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. On those days when it seems like evil is winning, we can delight ourselves in the Lord and know that he will give us the desires of our heart. We can commit our way to the Lord. We can trust in him and know that he shall bring all of his promises to pass. Father God, thank you so much for the encouragement of this psalm, and I pray that it helps all of us today. I know, Lord, it has encouraged my heart as I've thought about these things. Lord, there are many in our country who are suffering right now and have gone through a terrible week, and we pray for them. We pray, Lord, that you encourage and strengthen and help them. But I also know, Lord, that these kinds of things, when we read about them in the news, affects all of us, even here, hundreds, hundreds of miles away. And yet, Lord, we also are distressed. And so I pray today that all of us take courage and encouragement from this psalm. Help us, Lord, to recognize the temporary nature of, of sin and evil and rejoice in the fact that it has been defeated by our precious Savior on the cross of Calvary and that you will always bring all of your promises to pass. So strengthen our faith in that, we pray. Lord, I pray today if there's even one who's never trusted you as Savior, maybe one who feels completely hopeless in light of these things and doesn't understand the victory that's already been won on the cross, may they be saved today. Father God, I pray that they'd know the truth of the gospel, that all they need to do is call upon the name of the Lord and they'll be saved, that all they need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and they'll have eternal life. God uh, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Father, I pray if there's even one who's not responded to that, may they do so this day. And I pray if there are Christians who maybe need to just say, thank you, Jesus. Forgive me for my depression over these kinds of things. Forgive me that I've, I've forgotten. Forgive me that I, for a while, uh, even maybe thought that evil might be winning. And help me, Lord, to remember and rejoice in the fact that your faithfulness is infinite. It will never end, and you will always be there for your people. So, Father, if there are those who need to talk to you about any of those things, as we go to our invitation time, I pray they do that. I pray if any need to come for any reason, they do that. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.